the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. How happiness happens. Finding lasting joy in a world of comparison, disappointment, and unmet expectations. The latest release from New York Times bestselling author Max Lucado. I've had fun reading through this, and I guess I was a little bit convicted on one particular chapter that you have called uh, Don't Pet the Peeves. <laughs> that jumped out at me because I always talk about with my wife my pet peeves, but uh, I need to not pet them anymore, I guess, right? <laughs> Well, by the way, thanks for, for letting me be on the program. It's it's always a treat to talk to you. Yeah, the whole idea here is is that happiness happens uh, as we begin to give it away. And so the Bible is extraordinarily practical when it comes to uh, helping us find a level of contagious happiness. And one of the ways that we uh, learn to have happier outlook in life is simply not to let the uh, irritations or the, the idiosyncrasies of others suck us under. Uh, the truth of the matter is there's always going to be something that somebody does that gets under my, gets under my skin or gets, uh, gets me hot in the collar or the pain in the neck. You notice that all those phrases we use affect us. Mm. It's not a pain in someone else's neck. It's a pain in mine. <laughs> and so if I want to really find a deep level a deeply rooted sense of happiness that does not depend upon other people. I've got to do what the Bible says, and that is tolerate one another or be patient with one another. And uh, it's life is tough enough without letting the idiosyncrasies of others get to us. I'm curious to find out how you feel things are now in this society of social media, because to read the rest of the title... How happiness happens, finding lasting joy in a world of comparison. I mean, isn't that what social media seems to be all about, is everyone else is having fun and I'm not? It certainly seems that way. Uh, we get suckered into this mindset. We see a picture of a friend who's on a coast, you know, in Hawaii, a once-in-a-lifetime trip, and there they're smiling. And here we are stuck somewhere in the Midwest in a snowstorm, and we think their life is wonderful and my life is miserable. You know, realistically, we know that, that these pictures that we see uh, are freeze-framed moments of a special time in life. Uh, we also know that most everybody in the world is, uh, is, is <laughs> would love to have most of our lives. Uh, we're blessed. We're blessed people. But we, we are so easily suckered into this comparison mindset. It, the fact of the matter, Doug, is, is that one out of three people in America feels happy. One out of three. Mm. So that means two-thirds of us are living under a perpetual cloud of unhappiness. Imagine the difference that makes in the world. When, when, when you know, two out of three people you see at work, two out of three people you see in a shopping mall, two out of three people you see in traffic are just kind of un, unhappy or dissatisfied with life. That's taking its toll on relationships, on productivity. Uh, it's taking its toll on, on uh, our health. 
And so I think pursuing happiness is a very important part of everyone's life. And then I think as Christians, we actually have a moral obligation to be happy. Not not frivolous, not goofy, mm. not plastic smiles, but, but we have a moral obligation to spread joy wherever we can, however we can, because the world is in such desperate need of it. Well, to that end, Max, I guess, talk a little bit about trying to find happiness even during hard times. We've connected over the years, and it always seems like when we have opportunity to talk, there's another tragedy on a global scale or a local scale and our own personal tragedies that we go through. Uh, how do we find the happiness there? Let's define happiness as a deeply rooted contentment that does not depend upon circumstances. Mm. A deeply rooted contentment that does not depend upon circumstances. When, when we face tragedy, our, um, our positive outlook is going to dip. There's no doubt. Uh, when we bury somebody that we love, we shouldn't have some type of goofy grin on our face when we go to the funeral. I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying that in every possible circumstance, it is possible to have a deeply rooted contentment that does not depend upon circumstances going our way, because the truth of the matter is they won't. And so if we can have an understanding of what happiness is, happiness is not the contingent upon what we drive or what the temperature is, what political party is winning, or what my wife or husband is wearing on a given day. Contentment is basically dependent upon our understanding that we are known by God and loved by God, Consequently, we can raise the happiness level of others because of that that deeply uh, that deeply rooted sense of contentment. So, in the book, there's ten principles that you uh, talk about for making happiness uh, happen. Uh, in terms of, we need to read the book to get all ten. But what about one that uh, you had found a little difficult to follow? Well, I think all of them I've found at one time or another <laughs> difficult to follow. But the big idea of the book, and I think the big idea of what the Bible says about happiness is simply this. It really is better to give than receive. Jesus could not have been more uh, concise or profound, I don't think. It is better, he said, it's better to give than receive. It's better to give than receive. Now, we live in a culture that says it's better to receive than to give. And everything inside of us and everything we hear around us says if I receive more, That'll be better. If I receive more, I'll be happier. Jesus says, flip that on its head. And you really want to be happy. The better choice is to give. And so the Bible is, is, is uh, marked with these one another verses, Doug. Mm. Uh, I think there's 52 of them in all. I selected 10 that seem to represent all of them. Uh, the one another verses, like encourage one another, admonish one another, greet one another, forgive one another. And, and, and some of them are, are, uh, can be implemented immediately, uh, like greet one another, learning to off, offer people a genuine hello and how are you doing. Mm. And some of them are a little more profound, like accept one another and forgive one another. That's pretty difficult when you're working uh, in a cubicle next to somebody who's entirely different than you or uh, you've, been, you've been dumped by somebody who didn't keep their promise. So those are pretty tough. 
But we can start somewhere on that continuum. And as we work toward raising the happiness level of others, the fact of the matter is we discover a deeper level of happiness ourselves. I think it's interesting you say, because people would question, really, God is interested in our happiness. Is that a correct statement? I think people are are surprised to think that God wants me to be happy. But when I look in the Bible, Doug, I find 2,700-plus passages that contain words like joy and happiness and gladness and merriment and pleasure and celebration and cheer, laughter, delight, jubilation. I'm I'm, I'm not quoting this list by memory, by the way. (laughs) I've got it right here in front of me. But the fact of the matter is our joy level matters to God. When the angels announced the arrival of Jesus, they proclaimed good news of a great joy, not bad news of a great duty. Mm. And some people think that the Christian faith is bad news of a great duty. It's just the opposite. Uh, We have good news of a great joy. Now, this is no call to naivete or superficial uh, happy talk. Jesus spoke candidly about sin, about death, about the needs of the human heart. But he also did so with hope. I don't find any passage in the Scripture that suggests that people avoided Christ because he was grumpy. Hmm. I find passages that say they didn't like what he had to say, or they didn't like the way he cleaned the temple, (laughs) or the way he called out the religious leaders. But the truth of the matter is, he was likable. He went to weddings. In fact, at one time, he was put in charge of the wine list (laughs) at a wedding. Uh, he, he went to so many parties that they called him a rabble-rouser. He was criticized for hanging out with rowdy people. It seems to me that he was a genuinely happy person and that people were attracted to his happiness. And so I, I, I think we live in a day in which the, especially the evangelical community is increasingly being known for what we're against rather than what we're for. Let's be more like Jesus. Let's be for people. We can have our convictions, but we can have them in a winsome, likable way. And uh, we can develop a a habit of making others happy, and as a result, we'll be happier ourselves. Mm, Love that. Well, Max, I know it's amazing how God works in bringing two people together. Uh, Tomorrow just happens to be the 23rd anniversary between my wife, uh, Cheryl, and myself. And when I look at her, she is such an encourager, such many things that I wish that I was more of. And then I wondered if you would break down, I was reading in one of the chapters, you talk about your wife having the joy level of a kid at a carnival. (laughs) And she does. (laughs) You know, she. I guess you and I probably married out of our... uh, 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 out of our pay grade, right? Oh, definitely. <laughs> there's no doubt. Uh, Deanlin is, is just a delight. And her challenge is that she's married to a guy who has so many idiosyncrasies, you know. <laughs> uh, I, 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 try to, I, I try to get him under control, but she just laughs at me. She, she just thinks I'm funny. <laughs> she thinks that and she has decided she's not going to let people irritate her. Mm. That's really what it comes down to. Um, and she's decided there's only a few big things in life. And most of the things in life that we let get to us are not worth uh, being upset about. I think that's what the Apostle Paul said. He, he said. he said, be patient with one another. Look at this. Bearing with one another in love. Mm. I appreciate that practical second phrase. 
sometimes we have to just put up with one another. We bear with one another. We tolerate one another, and we do so in love. Uh, I've got a lot of oddities in my life. Uh, when I when I eat, my jaw pops. Mm. I got hit in the high school football game. My jaw has popped ever since. And my wife will just reach, you know, reach over. If we're at a restaurant, she'll pat me and say, Max, you need to be careful. You're chewing too loudly again. <laughs> I'm 64 years old. She, she should be saying, hey, get over it, Locato. I want to eat. But, but, you know, she, should, she just, she's got this sweet spirit about her. She doesn't let small things suck her under. And uh, imagine how better our lives would be if we all made that choice, and especially we Christians, because we we know there's really only one, only a handful of things that are big, and they all involve the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. They certainly don't involve the traffic and the way your husband eats. <laughs> well said. Um, Max, talk a little bit about uh, forgiveness and happiness and how they're intertwined. Yeah, you know, on the spectrum of the one another verses, uh, some of the challenges are pretty simple. Learning to greet one another, for example, would be pretty simple. Learning to forgive one another, however, would be more difficult because many of us, all of us at one time or another, have been hurt. Uh, we've been abandoned or we've been betrayed and we felt the pain. Yet there is a definite connection between forgiveness and joy. I remember recall uh, reading one paper uh, in which researchers related how they invited people to reflect on a person who had caused them harm. And just the thought of the perpetrator led to sweaty palms and facial muscle tension, a higher heart rate, increased blood pressure. But when the subjects were urged to imagine the possibility of forgiveness, all of those physiological issues were reversed. So health and happiness begin when forgiveness begins to flow. We really become happier. The Apostle Paul said that we should forgive one another to be tender-hearted toward one another, just as Christ has forgiven us. And that word tender-hearted is just the opposite of hard-hearted. When you're hard-hearted, you're not happy. Hard-hearted people cannot be happy. But tender-hearted people can be malleable. They can be... Uh, gentle. Uh, They're not as tense. Mm. And so if there are many reasons to forgive other people, chiefly because God has already forgiven us. But another reason is you'll just be a happier person uh, when you begin releasing the resentments that you have in your life. So, Max, what do you mean when you talk about conducting a funeral as we choose to forgive? Yeah, one of the things we can do, just a practical thing, uh, I talk about some steps that all of us can take in the direction of forgiveness. And one of them is to take that resentment, take that resentment, put it in a shoebox, take it out into some vacant lot, dig a grave, and bury it. I don't mean suppress your emotions, but if you've done all you can do, if you've, uh, if you've tried to talk to your offender, if you've tried to reconcile with your offender, at some point you're going to have to take that offense and put it in the past and move on. And I think you just need to take your those those moments that you've been offended, put them in a box, bury it, conduct a funeral, ask Jesus to offer the prayer, and the next time the devil brings that event to your mind, you just tell the devil, well, we took care of that. It's in the past. You know, there's a reason that the, that the windshield is so much bigger than the rearview mirror. 
and that's because the future is so much important and more important than the past. We've got to move forward in life. Uh, there, the, the, the devil puts the reverse gear in our transmission, but God has only a forward gear, and we need to always be moving forward in life. Uh, I'm not saying that we, you know, gloss over what happened, but if you've if you've tried to talk to your offender, if you've tried to reconcile, and still nothing has happened, then just move on. Just move on. It's time to move on and and, and get on with life. Mm, I love that. Well, and the thing that's cool, too, is that, uh, you know, m- many of your books, once you're done with them, you're really not done with them because then you're challenging us to go even further. So talk about this happiness challenge. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. Let's put these uh, 10 one another verses to practice. And over the next 40 days, let's try to make 100 people happy. We did this in our church in San Antonio. I challenged the church. I said, over the next 40 days, look for 100 opportunities to raise the happiness level of individuals by doing something deliberate, specific, and then recording it in a journal. So we kept the 100 Happy People Journal, and we wrote just a you know brief paragraph about the opportunities in which we uh, you know tried to make somebody happy. And it was, it was fascinating. It was fascinating. I heard all kinds of stories of people who intentionally chose to greet uh, people more often, who genuinely listened to stories when typically they would have tuned someone out. Uh, somebody who got up early and began making the lunches, a husband who said he got up early and made the lunches for the kids because uh, they take their lunch to school rather than his wife doing that. He said it changed everything. And what, what, to, what, what without exception, without exception, what people discovered is that when they began to make other people happy, they became happier themselves. And so in making 100 people happy, you're really making 101 people happy, and you're the one smiling the most. Mm, mm, I love that. I love that. Well, you mentioned this earlier, to double back a little bit, because I was reminded of the story that you tell in the book about the fine art of saying hello and a CEO that had had uh, too much, right? Yeah, yeah. What a great story that was. This particular CEO had just decided that everybody in his workplace was too cranky. They weren't getting along, and he had done everything he could to, to, you know, increase the morale. And so he just wrote him a letter and said, I'm taking a leave of absence, and if you people can't learn to get along and respect each other, then I'm going to quit. I'm going to retire. And he gave him, I can't recall uh, how long it was, maybe 30 or 40 days, but uh they they did take it seriously, but I mean a lot of us would love to do that. Uh, and one of the most practical things we can do is greet one another. Greet one another. Did you know the Apostle Paul in each and every one of his epistles says, "Greet one another." Uh, it, it's it's no small matter. In fact, in the book of Romans, he dedicates. Oh, I'm trying to remember, Doug. I want to say 13 or 14 verses mm. to all the people he's greeting. I mean, he just goes down the list. Say, say hello to so and so. Hello to so and so. Hello to. He doesn't want anybody to feel left out. You see, if I assume that everybody I see uh, is fine and they don't need a greeting, I'm making a mistake. If I stop, however, and I just give them a genuine hello, a tip of the hat, good morning to you, if I try to remember their name, or even if I can't remember their name, if I'm respectful enough to say, can you remind me what your name is? If I do small things like that, 
then I am increasing the joy level in someone else's life. And this is important. I'm getting my mind off of myself. Mm. I'm getting my mind off of myself. And the more I can get my mind off of myself throughout the day, the happier I'm going to be. Now, society says you need to be happy because you need to find yourself or seek yourself or focus on yourself. That's wrong. Jesus says it's better to give than receive. So it's better to give greetings than receive a greeting. We find more happiness in giving uh, happiness to others than we do in expecting others to be happy to us. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.